This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hope everyone is doing well. I know it's it's one of those mornings where I know you could have slept in because you know I, you heard the wind howling and the and the rain blowing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really glad to see you. Just give yourselves a big hand this morning. You know, just yeah. All right. Well, hey, especially if you're our guest this morning, if this is your first time here, like props, all right? <laughs> you, did, you did something amazing. But anyhow, if this is your first time here, let me invite you. There are some Connect cards in the, car, in the seat back in front of you, and uh, if you'd like to uh, let us know that you were here this morning, uh, we'd love to have a chance just to say thank you for being here. And uh, we have, I know the tent was set up earlier. I don't know if the tent's still up outside because of the weather, but uh, if you would, you can do one of two things. You can drop that card in one of the black boxes, our offering boxes, and just let us know that you were here. Or you could go out there, uh, it, you know, if the tent is up or to in the lobby there, and uh, they would be love to, you know, just give you a gift and say thank you for having been here this morning and uh, be our opportunity to just say thank you. Well, next Sunday, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. I heard one person go, woo! Everybody else is like, snap, oh man, you know, that time already? Yes, it's that time already. So next Sunday, here's what we're, this is just for fun. We thought we would do ugly Christmas sweaters. You can do pretty Christmas sweaters. I, I've had the complaint. They're like, why is it always ugly Christmas sweater? What if I have a pretty sweater? Please wear your pretty sweater. We'll tell you how pretty it is. But if you want to wear a really ugly one, we always have a tradition that we like to, you know, give like a gift to the most tacky, ugliest, you know, just so, yeah, you know, if you like have the boldness to wear something that, you know, I don't know, flashes uh, or whatever, you know, uh, bring it. So we'll, we'll, we'll reward the, uh, the most tacky Swiss Christmas sweater, the ugliest Christmas sweater of the day. Uh, that's Sunday morning, and then Sunday evening, uh, we will be, you know, having our carols, candles, you know, and cocoa. And if you don't want cocoa, we'll have chai. There'll still be coffee, you know, but it just sounds better, you know, carols, candles, and cocoa rather than carols, candles, cocoa, chai, and coffee, you know, just gets a little too long. So anyhow... We would look forward to you being here. We're going to do that at 4 o'clock. Um, so you'll get out just right at dark. We'll have a little, you know, uh, a candlelight uh, time together singing. It's just an hour, so I promise we'll get you on your way pretty quickly. But, you know, just to really focus on celebrating the birth of Messiah. And, uh, and then we've got some snow for the kids after. It's Florida snow, not real snow. But, but we've got snow for the kids and, and all afterwards. And so, anyhow, I hope that you will join us for all of that. Meanwhile, so today, week three of Advent, week one, we looked at uh, Mary's song, her response to the announcement of the angel and her being chosen, and we just really kind of celebrated and, and focused in on how that the most you know, virtuous thing, the thing that stands out about Mary is that simply she said yes, right? When, when, she had the, uh, when the angel brought the announcement to her, uh, what stood out is that her willingness, let it be done to me as you said, 
uh, and, and how that just stands out to us as you know, the, the quite essential why God chose Mary. It wasn't simply because she was a virgin. Uh, it was specifically because that she was willing, that she would say yes. And then we just look at the evidence uh, of her life from there on out. Just a, a continual yes to the will and the kingdom of God. Week two, we focused in on Joseph. And again, uh, we're looking at a man who is known for being just, uh, you know, not just a man, but a man who is just, one who loves justice and mercy, who walks humbly with his God, uh, kind of defining what, you know, uh, Micah said is the quiescential character and nature of a person who's in pursuit of God. And we see that just being true of his character and even in the midst of a very difficult things, his desire to act in a way that was merciful. And then when he hears the message from the angel, his decision to take on a really tough challenge, but either way, was willing to have his own character and personhood besmirched before he would let any harm come to Mary. Week three, today, we're going to be talking about the angels' interaction with the shepherds. Looking forward to sharing that with you. And then finally, next uh, you know, week, Sunday morning, uh, we're going to focus in on uh, Simeon and Anna, who were both present at the day of dedication in Jerusalem. Uh, going to be wonderful. And then that evening, uh, you know, for Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the Magi. But uh, as we do, uh, you know, today, let me set the scene for today's message. As we look at that announcement that the angels made to the shepherds, we need to think about what it was like that night, just a few working class Joes pulling a third shift, right? I mean, they're out there in the night, in the fields, keeping the sheep safe from wolves and bears and lions and other apex predators, you know, real comforting kind of thing, right? Just out in the dark in the middle of the night, hoping that nothing goes wrong. And in those days, we're talking like, you know, before electricity, right? So probably the best bet, a small fire would have been your only light, best protection in the dark, highly symbolic in itself. But imagine, if you will, with me for just a moment, there in the dark and the quiet of the night, in a land without flash flashlights, let alone cell phone flashlights. And suddenly, the angels in all their majesty appear, lighting up the night, lighting up the scene, a, a combination of just sheer terror and then delight as they discover what is happening that befell them that first Christmas Eve. And with the appearing, the good news of that which you have waited for your entire life, your rescue has come. Let's take a look. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. If you're using a phone or tablet, please set that to silent. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version, but please follow along in whatever translation you have in your lap. As always, that's my favorite translation because you're reading it. Let's take a look. Luke 2, beginning in verse 8, and we read these words. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And after all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Blessed be the reading of God's holy word. All right. Well, as I said, long before electricity, right? I mean, today, if you see lights in the dark, you think, oh, how courteous. But in the ancient world, light in the dark contributed to the sense of terror. Suddenly lighting up the night was reserved for what? Out-of-control fires? Dangerous storms. Either way, not usually something good. And so when the angels show up and it lit up the night, you can certainly understand why the first words were necessary. Do not be afraid. Actually, every time you see the angels appear, isn't it interesting that there's always that constant message of do not be afraid. Uh, angels are terrifying, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, I, they're not... Um, you know, uh, from the paintings, the little frescoes and stuff of little, you know, bare-butt babies with little wing chair, you know, and they call them cherubs. And that's not a cherub. Actually, when you look at cherubs in the Bible, like they open up their wings and there's eyes all filling the wings. and I mean, Terrifying, right? I mean, not something you just go, oh, that's charming. You know, it's more like you go, oh, that's terrifying. And actually the truth is, listen, Contact with the supernatural is often a source of fear. Again, throughout the ancient world, uh, before electricity especially, but even when people are having their first encounter, you know, like with the Holy Spirit, I, I, it, it, even in the modern church, right? It, it's, it's the very reason Jesus admonished his early followers. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. He says that a good father would not give them a stone if they asked for bread or a serpent if they asked for a fish. And then he says, Likewise, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Can you trust Him? If you pray and ask God to you know, be with you, uh, ask God to stir up gifts of the Spirit in you, can you trust Him? Or... Or is it uh, one of those things where we have to be afraid that somehow we will be deceived by those things? Well, it depends on your view of God. Can you trust Him? Will He give good gifts to those who ask Him? That's often the challenge for people when it comes to experiencing the supernatural uh, or praying you know, to experience the presence of God. And... Um, sometimes the greatest barrier to spiritual encounters is just fear, right? Is God trustworthy? In this particular case, let's be honest, they had no idea what was going to happen. They were on the job, 
And although there are a lot of parallels in the Bible between shepherding and leading God's people, it's not like anyone thought of the job as particularly spiritual or exalted, right? I mean, the job was hard, often lonely, thankless. It's not like the sheep go, thank you. (laughs) So imagine in the dark of night, suddenly the angels show up. Imagine if God just showed up at your place of work. (laughs) Might blow your cover. Um, Not where I work. I mean, in fact, where I work, you know, uh, you tend to expect it, right? In fact, if God doesn't show up where I work, there's a problem. But, But for most people, like God showed up, angels appearing, that's not in the job description. And so I think God would like to show up at your workplace too, but, you know, you gotta invite him to do that. But But I promise you that on that night, no one saw it coming. And then the angels make the most incredible announcement to a handful of shepherds in a field. The birth of the Savior. Why didn't that happen in Jerusalem, right? It's just 13 miles away. Why didn't that happen in Jerusalem? Why didn't he make the announcement to the kings of the earth? Or to the religious leaders in their seminaries? You know, I hope you've seen that continually through this series that you will see it once again next week as well. Look, God chose Joseph, a carpenter. Literally the definition of the working class Joe, right? Joseph, okay. Anyhow, um, but he chose him to rear the Messiah. He didn't choose a priest, not a king. A simple man, a just man, someone who loved mercy, walked humbly. A a young woman who had no claim to fame in particular. And here again, the announcement of the birth of the king. When the angels put on their big, spectacular show, when they're making this huge announcement that he's been born, it's to guys in a field. (laughs) Can I just point out that over and over again that God most entrusted those with the work of God who were seemingly ordinary people whom he used to save the world. I cannot stress enough. I cannot say it enough. You are called. See, there's this this rumor in the modern church that the only people who are called are pastors and missionaries. And, and if you're called to be a pastor or an overseas missionary, uh, that's wonderful. And I would encourage you in that if that's the calling that God has on you. But I've got to tell you that by far and away, the vast majority of kingdom work done in the earth is done by ordinary people working ordinary jobs and sharing their life with the people around them. If, if you look at the way right now, as I've shared in the past, is the church is growing globally, right? As we reach over the 2.2 billion mark and the church continuing to grow rapidly in the world, the vast majority of people who are leading other people to Christ, where the church is growing overseas predominantly, is where there are very few clergy. It is predominantly by far and away 
people sharing the gospel with their friends and their family in the workaday world. It's only in the West, where we have lots of professional clergy, that the church is dying. Just think about that for a minute. We must let, let the presentation of the gospel move back to the priesthood of all believers. We, we need to end just the depending on the presentation by slick professionals. You are ordained to fulfill the Great Commission from the very beginning. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, not a single seminary or Bible college graduate in the mix. No slick advertising. You are the hope of the world. That's what the first Advent teaches us, among many other things. That night, those guys got it right. They, they did some crazy stuff, if you think about it. It's, it's easy to just kind of skim over the story and move along because we've got to move the, the, the Christmas story along and we're looking for the drummer boy and all that kind of good stuff. And, and, you know, and, um, uh, but think about this. They're out there tending the sheep in the dark at night in the field and they come into town. Where are the sheep? Either they left somebody behind and abandoned all the sheep to one guy. I don't think that's what happened. Or they brought all those sheep into town, right? Can you imagine being so overwhelmed with good news you could not wait and you just like herd all the sheep into town because you, you just can't abandon the sheep. You got to do the job. And, and so they, you know, I, I don't know you know, uh, uh, what it was like in Bethlehem in those days. I can tell you it's a much larger city now. But back then, uh, it was very small, smaller than Brooksville by far. So you could get away with stuff like that, right? You can imagine them herding the sheep into town, looking and asking around, trying to figure out exactly where all this took place. So they could see, as the angel had said, the babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a feed box. Y'all didn't know Jesus was a redneck, did you? <laughs> Just kidding. Mostly. But, I don't know if they left one guy in the field or if they brought all the sheep in town, but I, I imagine in the midst of this, like as they discover all of this and they're excited you know, that, that they're waking up the whole town in this process, right? They, it says that they started to tell everybody they knew. It's the middle of the night. So somebody got awakened with the good news that night. doesn't tell us a whole lot. But it says that they found Jesus just as the angel had said and that they couldn't stop talking about it. I... I can only imagine how that unfolded. But here's one of the things I know. One of my favorite things about new Christians is how they can't stop talking about Jesus. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I'll be meeting with someone for lunch or, or dinner or something, and they'll be like, 
you know, is it okay to talk about Jesus, you know, uh, with you? You know, I don't want to, you know, you're not at work right now or whatever. And I'm like, of course, you know, I mean, I always have time to talk about Jesus, you know. On the other hand, if you want to just like talk about politics or church organization stuff, I'm getting really tired pretty quickly. But, but if you're talking about Jesus, so you're talking about the Bible, right? I, like I, these guys could not stop talking about what they saw and they heard. And look at their experience. It's not just that shepherds got the announcement before kings and priests, or even a small group that they were in the field, but they get the kind of announcement that is befitting a royal birth. Like there's the angel band complete with full light show. I, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I went with Keith and Tammy uh, Katz to the tri Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You ever been to that? Pretty amazing show. I liked it anyhow. And uh, I thought to myself as I was watching it the first time, I thought, this is, must have been what it was like. Because, you know, God should have all the best music. So, you know, I, I don't know. But anyhow, the shepherds saw this show fit for a king, the announcement of the king of the universe, a king who loves ordinary people so much that he gave them his one and only son, first to rear, then to do life with, and ultimately to rescue them, so that all who would believe in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you realize that night they got God's best not because they were impressive? They got God's best not because they were powerful. They got God's best not because they were rich. And not just so that we could have cool Christmas plays later on where everybody wants to be a shepherd. No, they got God's best because here's the thing about God. He never gives anything less. God doesn't need to make you feel like less. See, because God is all in all, God has no reason to make you feel small. Instead, God sends his messengers with the words, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy for all people. <laughs> and it really is a message for all. See, it's not that kings and queens or priests and rabbis are excluded. It's that the good news is for everyone. Literally, for everyone. And that message, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It, it's kind of interesting as you try to unpack that, that if you look at some of the other translations, some of the popular ones uh, along the way, you know, the old King James, um, it's usually how we sing the song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Maybe you've read the NIV. It's been the most popular for many, many you know, decades now. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Hmm. Maybe a little bit more of a newcomer. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to people he favors. That little bit of confusion that 
seems to be there has to do with two competing ideas present in the Greek, but somehow hard to translate into English, just some of the limits of translating. It's because the greeting and the announcement are for all. It's good news meant for all. But peace, on the other hand, peace with God is based on your response to the message for all. There is peace for all who surrender, but you must surrender. See, it's not peace on your terms, it's peace on His terms. The victor sets the terms of surrender. He has expressed goodwill towards all of humanity. If you don't like his son, if you don't like his ways, then when his will is done in the earth, all the time, without exception, that will not be very heavenly to you. It will not be peace to you. And so there's a distinguishment there and that if you want this peace, if you want to be in, in, in his favor, then you want something uh, that you, you're wanting the will of God to be done in the earth. It's good news to everyone in as much as they want his kingdom come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, if you want something other than God's will to be done, then it's really not that great of an announcement, is it? So part of the Advent message is simply this. It's the surrender to a conquering king. Christmas is not just well wishes and kindness. It's rescue and deliverance because we're in need of both. And then there's one last part that hopefully we'll get to before the lights go out on us. There's one last part. It's what it says about Mary. We are told that when all this attention shows up, the very night she had just given birth, she said, Yo, get out of here, you stupid. No, 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 she didn't. A lot of moms would have said that right then, right? But uh, it says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Have you ever received a word of promise? had a prophetic word or a prayer spoken over you, an answer to prayer that was full of promise, and, and you know what you heard. You knew it had to be God in the way that you got it, but as the moment fades, you begin to question yourself. Did I really hear that? Did God really promise that? Is that how this is going to unfold? Especially if you've had to endure hardships in the process. Think the kind of scorn and rejection that Mary and Joseph had to endure as their credibility was called into question. Their purity of heart. Even as the shepherds made their announcement, and they spoke of this angelic visitation. They were getting their own experience and encounters validated in that moment. 
But look at the overflow. Look at the overflow as what they're saying is impacting Mary and Joseph and why she treasured those things in her heart. One of the things I've experienced over the years in walking with God is that the more vivid and experiential my encounter with God, the more likely the difficulty of the road ahead. Don't ever get jealous of somebody else's spiritual experience. (laughs) From my own experience, let me give you just a, a, a brief overview. It's based on experience, and it's not like I can say, look, here's a list of verses, and go read these, and you'll have all your answers, okay? Um, we're talking about walking with the spirit of the word, but where no verses or texts specifically teach what I'm going to share with you right now. Listen, in the small things... God has repeatedly answered my prayers primarily through impressions, maybe a verse of Scripture, maybe even an affirming word from someone else. Then there are those times when I've received multiple confirming words in addition to prayer that tends to put me on guard, to be honest. I know that that means that the road ahead is probably difficult and that God is concerned with my being assured in the process. So he's giving me some extra confirmation. Then there are those times when I've received visions and dreams that God has given me. Fewer in number, always on a road difficult to travel. Those spiritual experiences and affirmations were meant to sustain me when life or the enemy was trying to defeat me. I wouldn't have made it otherwise, And so I was very grateful for those increased words and experiences to give me something to hang my hat on in times of trial and tribulation. Fewest still, those times when I heard what I would only describe as like the audible voice of God. No one else heard it. I can remember distinctly in one particular situation, everybody in a van fell asleep And suddenly, when I heard it, I had to look around, and had it not been that it was a whole van load of teenage girls, I would have thought somebody, you know, was pulling a trick on me, to be honest. That or one of them had suddenly developed a really bassy voice, but um, no one heard it. But I can tell you that that moment, along with others, are hallmarks of God doing some amazing, some of the biggest things in my life and also the most difficult. And I can tell you for certain, had I not had those experiences, I would have certainly given up. So don't be jealous of other people's spiritual experiences. Learn to listen to the still small voice of God. It's important that you and I would develop our relationship with God in such a way that in our constant and regular prayer and communication with him, that we would be open to the subtle thing, leadings of God. And he takes us to some scripture when he brings strong impressions or even light impressions and just to be sensitive and say, God, I think that might be you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient regardless of the outcome. And if I get it wrong, here's the important thing that I was, I was trying to learn to listen and to follow. I believe it has its reward in itself. But don't wait 
for the big thing to come your way to begin to listen to the still small voice of God. Because if you wait for those things, if you constantly silence that small voice, you will never hear the big voice. It won't happen. Because if God can't trust you in little things, to whom is given a little, right? And so it's really important that you learn to listen to the voice of God in those moments, in those still moments. And then, as God preps you through, those ordinary, through ordinary obedience, he'll be able to trust you with greater things. On the other hand, <clears throat> should you have such a powerful experience like Mary had, and an angel visits you, number one, treasure it. Number two, buckle up. <laughs> we'll be praying for you. You're in for a wild ride. No, seriously, I, I'm, I'm really serious about this. Listen, it's, it's important that you and I develop an attitude and a posture of waiting and listening to God. And I want you to see how throughout all these weeks, right, when, when Mary uh, has her visitation, can I just tell you that even with that grand visitation of the angel coming to her, listen, just before that, Zechariah had a similar encounter with God in the temple when the angel came and spoke to him. And his first words, how? Right? He doubted God. And one of the things that you and I see in the witness of the New Testament over and over again is that there were num numerous people who got healed and then only one of them came back and asked questions about who Jesus was. Uh, we see that where uh, even people like Judas, right? Judas got to do the signs and wonders. He was there tearing the bread apart. He was there going out and casting out demons, and yet he betrayed the Lord. And so I can just tell you that no amount of huge spiritual experiences will train you to be faithful to God like simply choosing to say yes, whether in the little things or in the great big things. But if you don't say yes to the little things, I promise you, you will not see the great big things. You look at that in the life of Joseph, right? And Joseph, again, uh, this, the choices that he was making, he was making choices first, just aligning himself with the Scripture and so his choice in that moment, whenever Mary was telling him these things, or however he heard the information and became aware of her pregnancy, uh, that he sought to put her away because he was a just man, not to bring her to shame, not, not to harm her or anything else, but as a just man, he sought to do what was good and best for her rather than what was good or best for his pride, his ego. He said yes to the Word of God in such a way that, that when the angel came to him, it's no surprise that he would say to the angel, yes, I will go along with that because I trust God. I trust God in his word, and I trust word when I have the visitation, and so I'm able to trust God through the hard times, through the trials and the difficulties. But can I tell you, you don't walk through with God through the hard times if you will not walk with God in the quiet times. If you want to know how you will respond when trial and difficulty comes along, your test is every day. How do you respond when there is no trial or difficulty? Can God be put on hold? Can obedience be put on hold? Can you choose something else?
because you prefer it. If the vast majority of the time is, I just choose whatever I want to, then you already have your answer. I don't, mean that to, I don't mean that to sound mean or condescending. I'm just simply saying, like, be honest with yourself. If I, if, I, if I don't want to obey God in everyday life, why would I put myself on the line? That's the better question, isn't it? On the flip side, if I develop the practice of saying yes to God in the little things, if he really does come first in my life, not just in word, but actually in deed, if he really does come first in my life, in my thought processes, uh, in my way of evaluating why I'm going to do what I'm going to do, even like when it comes to say, like, I don't know, you're going to move someplace, or you're going to take a job or something like that, is the criteria, money is the criteria, what is the criteria, right? And, and the, the long question that ought to be deeply wound up in those things is, have I heard God and am I following after him? Is this what God is doing in my midst, in my life, in my situation, in my circumstances? And am I choosing to follow him? God says yes to the most ordinary of servants because of the most extraordinary of decisions. Yes. I know it doesn't sound extraordinary, I mean, because we're in church, right, and we're supposed to be talking about obeying Jesus and things like that, but I'm, I'm talking about in the real-life application of your everyday world, of your workaday world, like, how do you respond to the Word of God, to the leadings of God? How do you evaluate your everyday decisions? Parents, you're discipling your children with those decisions. Not the great big ones. The little everyday ones. They're watching. They know whether you spend time with God or not. Not just when you quote the Bible at them because they did something that you wanted to correct. But whether or not they see it in your lap sometime in the day. Are they aware that you pray about decisions before you make them? Is there evidence that you do? How do you and I disciple our children? Not just with rules, not just with telling them the way it's supposed to be, but by the demonstration of our life, constantly saying yes to God. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I would argue, not because I want to argue, but just I cannot drive it home hard enough that those decisions you make in response to the still small voice are the most critical for you hearing, seeing, experiencing 
the power and the presence of God. And the surest way to miss out is to learn how to silence the still small voice of God for your preference. Hello? Well, what a powerful experience the angels brought to the shepherds. What a powerful experience the angels brought to, in, to Joseph in a dream. The, the encounter of Mary with the angel and all of these things. And the overwhelming evidence from their lives to this moment was they all said, yeah. I'll give myself to that. I hope this Christmas, as you contemplate, as you reflect, as you're getting ready to celebrate with your family uh, the, all the fun of the season and everything else, that, that the most important thing about this season will be that this is the season when you decided, yes. God, I, I will say yes, wherever you lead, however the challenge, whether difficult or easy, in the moments of quiet and in the moments of storm, in the moments that are easy and in the moments that are hard, yes, God, yes, your kingdom come, your will be done in me on the earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Let's stand together. So Father, let that be our prayer this morning. Let it be a resounding prayer from our hearts to yours that we want your will to be done in our lives. It's not simply the Sunday school prayer that we are praying in response to what Jesus said in the Gospels, but it's the honest, surrendered prayer of our heart. I want your will to be done in my life. You are good and all your ways are true, just, and right. So Lord, we ask you, would you be with us this morning, would you fill us with your presence? And Lord, for every place in our heart that finds reservation, for every place within us that is struggling with saying yes, out of fear, out of past disappointments, out of past hurts, we ask, would you just gently put your finger on that this morning and show us what it is that's causing us to be in reserve, what's causing us to fear, what's causing us to doubt. Would you just gently point that out to us this morning, out of your mercy and out of your great love for us? Just come, Holy Spirit.
Let's just ask the prayer team members, go ahead and come on up. And uh, as they're coming, I just want to say to you this morning, if the Lord has just put His finger on something in your relationship with Him that is standing in the way, that is hindering you in responding, uh, of giving a wholehearted and, uh, you know, yes to the things of God, I just want to invite you to come get some prayer this morning and surrender. Say, God, I, you know, I, I don't know how, how this is going to play out. I don't know if it might be difficult. I don't know if it's going to be challenging. But I really do want your kingdom come and your will to be done. And so this morning I surrender. I, I'm bringing this to you, and I'm asking you to give me boldness. I'm asking you to give me courage. Uh, I'm asking for you to heal some wounds or hurts from the past, whatever it might be, but that you would just avail yourself to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you for those things. And, and then if you have any other needs this morning, uh, whatever it might be, let me invite you to come get some prayer this morning or turn maybe to the person next to you and ask them to pray with you. It's, you know, we believe sincerely in the priesthood of all believers, and so you don't necessarily have to come up here. It might be a safe place for you today that you just need that space, but you might also just turn to the person next to you and say, let's pray. And uh, I would encourage you to do that this morning. Whatever you do, do yourself the favor spiritually in your walk with the Lord of taking care of business now and not waiting, telling yourself you're going to do it later, and then later never comes. God bless you. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve. God bless and Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. That way the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.